All right, let's get our Wednesday afternoon underway. Firstly, Cheryl Shaw, Pet Chat, welcome along. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mark. And uh, Dr. David Tabbert, who just because yeah. the son of a gun's having a birthday, he thinks he can walk in. It's also back from holidays almost late. And here he is. Welcome. I'm, I'm here. I'm here, but I'm, I can't see my present. Where is it? Where is it? Um, oh, I'm sorry, Ruddy. Sure, we ran out of time, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we thought well, he was bringing the cake. Yeah, yeah uh, we did have that discussion. <laughs> First up, as always, we are on Brooch Watch. And what have you yep. got for us today? Okay, it's in the topics. Oh, is it a frog? It's a cane toad. Oh, of course. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It looks like a prettier frog than a cane toad. <laughs> who, makes, who makes cane toad brooches anyway? Oh, well, they'd be out there. There's, mm. a, well, there's a market mm. for everything, David. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now yeah. they're coming south, there'll be even more market. And the good news is, though, David, oh. I've got something for you, right? Yeah, the good yeah. news is yeah. that actually is your present. At the end of this hour, Cheryl's going to take that off and pass that Give on to you. Give me a brooch. <laughs> of a cane toad. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, nice. you're back from holiday, so you're not going to be too rusty for us to answer those questions? No. Give us a call. All right, let's continue now. Good afternoon, Justin at Coal Point. Your four-year-old poodle, Staffy, goes a little bit hyper on the way to the beach. What's happening there, Justin? Yeah, um, poor old Spud is, just seems to be getting worse and worse when we take him to the beach. It's like once we once he realises what we're doing, um, especially where we're going, we, we go to Redhead, but by the time we get to Whitebridge Cemetery, he's almost screaming in the back of the car like he does this squealing thing. Um, and the other dog, who, who's a Maltese Shih Tzu, she just sits there and does nothing. Mm. Um, so she sets a great example for him, but we've tried ignoring the behaviour. We've tried pheromone spray that we got from the vet, um, and we spray all the bedding in the back. But um, we've also tried, like, um, rousing on him, which doesn't seem to have any effect at all. We did try getting, once we get to the beach, like turning our backs and making him sit in the car, but that can take like a good five minutes to get him to actually pay attention to you. Um, so I just wondered if you guys had any advice. And uh, if we, he realises we're going to the, the off-leash area to throw the ball, it's only like a literally a two-minute drive down the road, and he is absolutely going off his nana by the time we get there. Yeah, the staffy is very strong in that squealing, as you said. Now, yeah. um, so the two circumstances that you've described, one going to the beach and one going to the park to throw the ball, are there other times where he gets really excited? Um, yeah, when he... Um, oh, we, we have a boat, and when he gets on the boat, he seems to get... Like, once we get him in the dinghy and he realises we're going to the boat, he tends to... All he wants to do is jump from the dinghy to the boat. Um, also, when we dock the boat, he has once, um, because we didn't have him properly restrained, he jumped, he did a Superman jump between the boat and the F-Wharf at Rathmines and really clonked himself and tore nails out and stuff. Oh, God. So, yeah, yeah. yeah he gets really super overstimulated, like when we park the boat especially, so we've got to tie him up inside the boat. But it, you can imagine, for me driving it, it's pretty noisy inside yeah. with him going off his nuts. yeah. It's, it's certainly a part of their DNA, I think, that level of excitement. But at the same time, the things you're talking about, like the boat, the beach, going to the park, chase the ball, they're very stimulating things that are going to get him really excited anyway. So yeah. we're not talking about episodes where, you know, for instance, if you just come home and he's going completely bananas for half an hour, um, these are actual, I would say, almost appropriate timing Maybe it's a bit excessive. Um, yep. And I think the things that you've already tried, like the pheromones are going to help, but the problem is he's still got the mental stimulation, 
regardless yeah. of you know there's there's still this very exciting place that we're going to um this kind of problem and i don't know cheryl might have some ideas but one of the things i was thinking was i would want to see your work with a veterinary behaviorist one-on-one yep. because i uh, i do realize like these guys particularly the staffy in them mm. they're just high, super excitable and it does take a fair bit of work to get them to calm down and be able to travel to these places without getting overexcited. Um, yeah. but, you know, I don't want him to be comatose when he gets to the beach. <laughs> he needs no, to get up and run around, and that's what you want. Um, yep. And at the same time, I don't think medication is necessarily going to be that helpful, apart from the pheromones, yep. obviously, which is can be in the area, in the car or whatever. But, yep. you know, he's not doing it all the time. So... It's really about desensitizing the travel, desensitizing the excitement or the um, apprehension. Yeah. Um, My wife and I have got a really good coming home ritual that we do. So we either one of us gets home first. The dogs are super excited. Yeah. Even the little one like jumps about four feet in the air. Um, but we make them, we get a treat for each of them and make them sit outside the back door before we allow them in. Yeah. And they have to sit and have their treat. And then when they come in, same again in the kitchen, sit in their spot in the kitchen and give them the treat and then greet them and then make a fuss over them. So oh, that's, that's, that's been really working good. really well. Yeah. 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 Actually, just on that, you could try using the treat and having them small treats in the car just so that yep. you can give some treats when they're actually quiet. So yeah, okay. you're reinforcing just what you're doing when you're coming home or, or getting them to sit, just getting them to be quiet and giving that reward in the car. The other thing that you could try is before you go out in the car, go for a walk around the block just to take some of that extra anxiety that the oh, dog's yeah. having. Um, so, yeah. so, you know, he knows he's going somewhere and he's super excited about it but even just a walk around the block could take a little bit of that edge off and just um just settle him a little bit more but yeah. I, I think yeah. it's going to be a bit of a bit of you know um reinforcing all the positive things in the car so when he is quiet don't go yelling at him or, or telling him to be quiet just when he is quiet reward yeah that's and, just like more yeah dogs yelling yeah people so, are yelling. and then it all just <laughs> elevates so i think if you can try to keep it a little bit calmer um re- yeah. reinforce those treats just small treats have a little container you can shake and give a reward for that and it may help a little bit just yeah but you know a staffy poodle cross yeah the they're, o- the, yeah, they're the so other- excited the other thing I was thinking was rather than like let's go for a drive to the beach, let's just go for a drive around the block. Yes. And if he's staying calm for that, then we can extend that drive a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that you can get him used to the fact that, oh, he's driven to Whitebridge Cemetery and he's still calm. Well, you know, you're 50% of the way there. Mm. Yeah. The funny thing is we've taken him on big trips to Queensland and back and he's completely fine. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> he well, knows the reward of that beach, the cemetery, I'm... it's not far away. <laughs> That's right. All right, best of luck with that, uh, Justin, and uh, good afternoon uh, to Michael at Cessnock. Michael, your one-year-old Roddy is also a very excited dog. What's happened yeah, to Michael? Very, yeah, g'day, everyone. It's a very similar story, I guess. I, um, we bought it when there was a few of us in the house, and uh, now there's only two of us, and I, I sort of leave early in the morning and don't get home till. Uh, very late, and I, uh, there's just no one with us. She's just in the yard now by herself, pretty much. And there's just too much energy for you to come home, and she's just all over you. She's she's absolutely gorgeous, but she's um she's just not getting the stimul- stimulation that she needs. She's 
through the days. You know, um, yeah, I'm just at a loss what to do. I said these routes sort of thing to take it places, and um, so I'm just at a loss. Uh, you know, so yeah, that was what I was ringing. Um, so Michael, how does she get to to go for walks at all during the week? Yeah. No, mate, not at all. Very, very, very rarely. I, I have a time come home early and um, and taken her across to the park. I live not far from the park, and she's just over the moon. She just runs yeah. and dives through the grass and things like that. She's fantastic, but I, I can't do it all with them, and, and there's no one else that can sort of thing. So, yeah. uh, like I said, when when we bought her, there was you know there was people around, but unfortunately, then people are gone now. So there's sort of just me, and I yeah, I work too much now, so. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate because she's yeah she's gorgeous, she's beautiful, but I'm just not I'm not being you know being there for her enough, you know. Yeah, um, a one year old dog needs, particularly a large dog, is going to need a fair bit of uh, exercise and mental stimulation, and so you know if you're out all day, her brain is just starting to spin spin circles. I can see it in her. I can tell it in her. As soon as I sit down and take my work boots off, she's just all over here, and and she does it to everybody and. You know, she knocks mum over. She's big enough to, you know, exactly what you, you know what I'm talking about. It's um, she's just getting no stimulation in her mind at all, and it's okay. Yeah. I don't want to get rid of her, but I don't want to. You know, people like this either. This is not doing her any good. But I, yes. so I don't know what to do. That's that's why I'm ringing. I don't know what to do with her. So there's a couple of things. I think wherever you can, certainly trying to get her to go for a walk. I, it doesn't sound like she's going to be reluctant to do that by any means. Oh, it's just no, when you've got time. Yeah, but she'll drag me out the gate. Yeah, yeah when, whenever you can. I think, you know, 20 minutes or something is just going to help a, a lot. But yeah. um, even still, that doesn't sound like that's going to happen every day. And this is a dog that needs to be walked probably Absolutely. at least 30 to 50 minutes or an hour once a day. Yeah. Every day. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, I totally agree. There was another Rockwall, an older Rockwaller uh, fellow there. That's why we bought the girl. Um, and so he's gone now too. He was a stimulation around the yard for, you know, for, for eight months out of the out of the 12. So, yeah. You know, back then, so again, I'm now by myself sort of thing and I just, I don't know what to do. I don't, I, I don't want to get rid of her. Michael, you uh, might want to try getting a dog walker. Yeah, in. so that's a dog. If you're, say. you know, if you're time poor, you might be able to find somebody who can walk the dog for you and give that that exercise it needs. And then when you do come home and it's jumping, you need to um, not not rouse at the dog and not touch the dog. Oh, no, well, just no. just like what Justin was saying yeah, about yeah. when they have that yeah. uh, coming home routine where you get a treat, get them yep. to sit outside, then get them yeah. inside, get them to sit, yep. and give them the treat. Yeah. So the dog walker yeah. is one thing. There's um, doggy daycare. I know this sounds really weird, but I tell you what, it makes a difference. It certainly does. And the other yeah. thing you can also do is making up a Kong full of uh, food. You need two of them. So you go to the pet shop or your vets and you get these, uh, particularly for a rotty, you're going to need a big one. Um, you fill them with some food. They've got this hollow center uh, wrap it in cling wrap, put it in the freezer, and then when you leave of a morning, get it out, take the cling wrap off, and that'll at least help to keep her occupied a bit for the day. Yeah. Um, and if you can organise a dog walker, I think yeah. that's the other thing, and maybe that's going to be a couple of times a week. You could probably try and do a couple of week. A couple of, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's that's a fantastic idea. I, uh, that's what you need. So it, it, uh, and I can see it in her. I know yeah. that's what you need. Yeah. Come home and and I yeah, I don't rouse on it because I know it's it's my fault. I'm the one making her frustrated. So I've got a fair size yard, but that's still you know in a mind and all that. She's just running around the yard barking at birds and 
noises and cars and motorbikes and things like that. So that's a great idea. You know, I could, um, yeah, I might look into that. That's, yep. a, that's a great option. So, yeah, fair enough. And the stimulant, we'll really have food when she's sitting down and give her some treats when she's being quiet, but she'll just take treats all day long anyway. So. <laughs> Absolutely. So far we've had, uh, gang, a lot of excitable dogs, so it might just might, might just be that sort of day. Well... Again, look out the window. <laughs> it's just decent it's glorious. I mean, if we want to be outside, dogs want to be outside. Yep. And if they're kept inside all day, a bit like us, they go a bit stir-crazy. All right. And, uh, Cheryl, I know your topic's ready to go, so we'll get into that very shortly on uh, cane toads, all right? It's very okay. topical at the moment. Louise at Edgeworth. Uh, what's going on with your dog, Louise? Hi there. Um, I've taken on a dog that has been uh, let go by a breeder uh, because the puppy won't have any more litters. Mm-hmm. So she, she's been de-sexed but just given up. So I've brought her home and I think she's had a pretty hard story where she's just been kept in a cage. So mm-hmm. she, um, she doesn't know how to walk on a lead. Uh, I, I already have a dog. But she won't play. Um, she's very. This new dog is very possessive of me. So when my old dog comes up to cut, get cuddles from me, the new dog will bare her teeth and snap at my old dog. So um, I just needed some advice on how I can socialise her or even get her out to yeah. take her a walk or yeah. play. So what what breed is this um, five year old dog? She's a toy poodle. Okay. And your other dog? She's a standard poodle. Oh, goodness. Calm down, Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl's, <laughs> Cheryl's all over the poodles. Um, well, my, my standard poodle is, is the most beautiful girl. She's such a lovely dog and has been pushing her ball to the other one, like, come on, let's play. Yeah. And, um, and how, lo- um, how long have you had the new one for? About uh, five weeks now. Okay. All right. So certainly there's going to be a time where everything's new. We're not sure who's who in the zoo. Um, We've got to work out feeding routines, sleeping routines, and that's going to take a bit of a a challenge, and that's for any dog that comes in. Um, Puppies obviously are more adaptable because everything's new anyway, but for an adult dog, it's um, certainly going to create its own challenges. Uh, I don't, I don't think it means that, you know, it's a hopeless scenario by any means. I do think that you need to be a little bit more structured in how you uh, get this new dog to socialise, and that is going to be a little bit disruptive to your regular routine with your other dog. So there's no doubt, you know, as soon as we put another dog in there, it changes everything. And in this case, you've got a a dog that was sounds like probably a bit isolated before um so you know feeding on its own obviously is still recommended we're not we don't want to just put everybody in the same room with a bowl of food um because food is one of those things that they can certainly get possessive about and um for a, a new dog that's come in may actually be a trigger for some sort of territorial aggression or even fear aggression and so on Um, so i would certainly make sure that we're feeding separately i don't think that's the time to be considering how we mix the dogs however all the other times 
and that includes exercise and cuddles and things like that i would say both dogs should be on a lead whenever they're together um, on their own lead so that you have a degree of control over their behaviors and then using food treats which we've talked about a few times today using food treats to both reward good behaviors but also to demonstrate like with your older dog to be able to demonstrate to the new dog this is how we behave and that is so sit and stay and receiving a treat and doing it one at a time not the new dog first and then the other dog or vice versa I you know I don't think the order is necessarily important except don't do it the same order each time okay, okay. so and that that is very very simple thing to do two leads um, food treats and as Cheryl said if they're in a little plastic container and you rattle them mm. then you've you're getting their attention with the noise and you yeah. can get their attention with their eyes and yeah. um, you know, and if Julie Tolliday was here, she'd be saying, keep the treat up near your eyes so they're looking at you. And then when yeah. they've when they've spotted it and they're sitting, then you can bring the treat down to them and that way they're looking at you all the time. And then in the future, if you don't have that treat there, you can still engage the, the dogs and get them to respond. And that's just the very basics to get started. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think you would need to socialise this new dog to your dog but you're also socialising your older dog to the new dog. Yeah, it's a gee, that's a, a tough road ahead, isn't it? But there are there are ways to try and get through this. Uh, yeah, dog. look, that might take a month or so. It's early six days. Weeks. It's early days for those two yeah. to be together, so it'll come good. I wouldn't be rushing down to the dog park until no. we've got these two dogs happy together. Sure, absolutely, good idea. Good afternoon, Brett at Whitebridge. Now, a bit of a bit of a warning here: if uh, it is lunchtime for you at your place, <laughs> um, you might want to just uh, you know focus on something else for the next couple of minutes. Brett at Whitebridge, German Shepherd, only six months old, and is eating its own waste. We won't use the word waste. What's happening, Brett? Looks like we've uh, okay. Looks like we've lost bread there, which is uh, a bit of a shame. Well, we can just quickly touch on that. Sure, that is not an uncommon thing. I mean, dogs explore the environment mainly through smell and taste, obviously. And you know, if they're engaged and they're very exploring, like a six-month-old, we've oh. talked about behaviours in young dogs. Um, it's not unusual to see dogs doing that. A lot of people do get very worried about it, and I certainly. Uh, think that you know when we follow up with people about things like worms and things like that um, sure we've got to be a little bit concerned about health concerns mm -hmm. but um, and we don't want it to go on forever so I would use um, we were talking about Kongs before right and chew toys and things like that to distract the dog when you might see it chewing on uh, feeding on its, uh, what did Mark say? Waste. Waste. That's it. <laughs> so. And in fact, we, we have actually got Brett back. So uh, oh. Brett, you're uh, your six-year-old, sorry, your six-month-old um, eating its own waste, Brett. Yeah. She, um, we, we've tried everything. We've spoken to a vet and they said sometimes it's a lack of vitamin in, uh, in the food. So we've given her a vitamin, but that just seems to hype her up. Yeah. Um, and doesn't stop the behaviour. Um, if we're with her, when she does, like walking or in the yard, um, we jump on her straight away. She will stop it, but she hovers around as if she wants to get to it. Yeah. Yep. Um, and well, it's, it's not pleasant first thing in the morning when you get morning kiss. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark was saying that before. This is why we shouldn't let dogs lick our face. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So um, 
Yeah, I don't know if you heard, we were just following up while we were waiting for you to get back on the line, but not an uncommon problem. I think the incidence of vitamin deficiencies these days is a bit rare because our diets are pretty good. You know, like if you're feeding a good commercial food, and I've heard people say, is it a lack of fiber? And often it's a very quick check and we can make sure that that's okay. That's usually not the issue. The issue is... Um, you know, they're, they're exploring the environment. Sometimes uh, female pups, for instance, uh, as they're starting to reach sexual maturity at six months, will tidy up and kind of clean up the environment, if you yeah. like. Yeah, so, she, is, she is female, yeah. Yeah, yeah. sorry. So, um, the, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it might happen. It, it's not unusual. In fact, I'd almost say it's a normal behaviour. But oh, okay. it, it's certainly unpleasant. So... Um, is it something that's going to continue or well we've tried the treats and she's gone from a puppy in four months to six months to a dog like yeah. she's going to be a big dog um and she's totally spoiled but most things we're training her with a treat she will get a response after you know a day or so um and and she's quite easy to train but this this one with eating her own waste is um continual but she won't do it to another dog's waste well, that's great. Cool. Do you have another dog, Brett? No, we have Rainbow Lorikeet. Okay. Just sometimes <laughs> when there is a second dog, the dog can actually feel not real confident in the environment it's in, and that will actually make it eat the feces as well, or oh, the waste, okay. I should say. But often with the female dog, it's it's almost like it's inherited that from its mother, watching its mother clean up the litter tray, and they often just have that overhang. But the, the best result is trying to clean the waste as quickly yeah, as you possibly can, say. because yeah, that will eliminate her having that, you know, getting that, that um, taste for it. And and yeah, we and just the need, smell's gone. Yeah, yeah. I I would persist. I um. You asked the question though, Brett. Like, is it going to be a long term thing? I have seen dogs that have had this as a long term problem. However, in those dogs, I think there is some um, psychological problems going on. So okay. at this stage, I'd say I don't think we're into that territory. But certainly, you do want to put a stop to this behaviour at this stage. So. Cleaning up, absolutely, and continue with using food treats and distraction. Yeah. Taking the dog for a walk. And also teaching the dog to leave it, that, that terminology, leave it. So no matter yeah. whether it be the faeces or whether it be a ball, leave it and then they step away from it. That's a really good one with training. Yep. We really still want to make sure we get to Cheryl's topic. Sometimes you're happy to hold them over so you don't have to do any work, but Cheryl, this one... (laughs) That's not the reason. He's telling the truth. Truthful. This one, though, cane toads, they've been discovered, uh, quite a few of them here in, in the early part of the week, so... Uh, some of the things we need to know, Cheryl. Yeah, certainly it's a concern. There's been 19 found at Mandalong, which isn't very far away. The thing is, what a lot of people don't realise, apart from the um, you know the problem, there's ugly cane toads. Mm. They are toxic to dogs and cats. Very and, much. And often now we don't realise cats and dogs go out into the garden and they start, um, if they hear or see or smell something, they start actually... Um, investigating what it is and so sometimes they will um, like a cat will actually touch the cane toad yes. and a dog might go and touch it but it also is more likely to use its mouth and, and nuzzle it now when they do that to a cane toad cane toads have um, glands on the side of their necks that ooze out this white um, substance that's really toxic and if they get that into their mouth or onto them it can really be a devastating um, outcome for the pet so it's so important that if you are seeing your pet outside um, 
investigating something. They actually, cane toads like environments the same as snakes. So they go under uh, like tin in wood piles, empty pots, things like that. Anywhere that you would find a snake, you're more likely to find a cane toad. Outdoor toilets. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's. I, I grew up in Queensland and so, you know, we just saw cane toads all the time. Uh, and, yeah, they were just everywhere. Yeah. They certainly do really well in suburbia as much as... Um, you know, in bushland and wetlands is where they really take off. Yeah, and they don't understand why they've come this far so quickly at, at, to be in Mandalong. But, you know, there's lots of reasons why this can happen. I mean, obviously we've been having a lot of floods and things have been, you know, the environments have been mm. altered. But sometimes these um, have come because of our interactions as well when we're bringing soil and, you know, leaf litter and um, different plants. And as we're moving those, sometimes these can be in it. So you need to be really vigilant. Well, let's face it, Shirley, you only need one pregnant female to hitch, hitch a ride, wouldn't you? And that's all over. That's it. You know, yeah. that a female, she can lay between twenty to 40,000 eggs. So just imagine one female, how much devastation can happen to the environment. The other thing is, apart from the reason they were brought in, they were, they were brought in in 1935 to eat the cane toad you know, beetle. beetles. Yep. They can eat just about anything else. Anything that will fit in their mouth, they'll eat. And they have no predators in Australia. So their survival is just unbelievable. So mm -hmm. there's no natural predators for a cane toad. So we all need to be really vigilant. We need to be looking in our gardens when we're outside or in the toilet, making sure that we do not have cane toads. If you do, you can ring up the Department of um, Agriculture and they will help you out. And, um, and there's also a, a, a hotline um, that they've got set up and there's an app that you can get if you need to identify and get oh, help. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah so that's, that's good the, to know. Um, the free toad scan app. I just need another app and that's the one I'm going to put on my phone. Yeah, yeah. The free toad scan Now, if app. you do think that your pet has been involved with a cane toad, please get your pet to the vet straight away because there yeah. is treatment that they can do because the um, poison that the toad gives to the animal is, is like strickland. It, it starts them, um, they start convulsing and they start, um, uh, you know, having yeah, sort of um, a, terrible saliva and everything. It's, there's it's a number of toxins. Uh, so the toad is Bufo marinus, I think it is. And so the toxin is cleverly called bufotoxin. It's the main one. It has a number of effects, as you said. The real worry is that it can actually cause heart rhythm abnormalities. Mm -hmm. And so when we uh, see dogs that are affected by cane toad poisoning, um, apart from decontamination, the other thing we need to do is assess their cardiac status and we may need to actually give them cardiac drugs to try and get their heart rhythm back to normal. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty concerning. And they get so big. They're, they're oh, just yeah. huge. Uh, yeah, uh, and again, it's just a, a long road for the dogs and cats that you know, think, oh, I think I can have a go at this little guy and all of a sudden it's, it's all downhill. Yeah. Well, they hop around and they're small compared to a dog. Yes. Obviously, so... They're very attractive to dogs out on the backyard. Yeah. Uh, that number, Cheryl, that you were talking about a couple of moments ago, it does take you through to uh, New South Wales DPI uh, Biosecurity. Their helpline number, it's a free 1800 number, so it's 1800 680 I guess very important that we did squeeze that topic in today. Yeah, absolutely. We've just got to look out for our pets and also keep an eye out for these guys. All right, we've run out of time. Thanks again for coming. Dr. David Tabret, Tan and all the... Did you notice, Cheryl, the Tan entered the room about three steps before David did today? 
Mr. Holidays. That's your birthday uh, present. We, 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 we spruce up Thank your, you, you know, Thank his you, physique. Cheryl. <laughs> Cheryl, Cheryl, we'll catch up with you next, uh, the next no. time that you are here as yep, well. In a fortnight. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>